sunlit world of what he believes to be reality. But there is, unseen by most, an underworld, a place that is just as real, but not as brightly lit. A dark side. Hey, what's up, and welcome back to Talks from the Dark Side. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor McGraw. Oh my God, I'm here. And I'm Chris Barr. And today we're talking about episode eight, The Word Processor of the Gods. <laughs> Sorry. Directed by Michael Gornick, written by Stephen King originally, that novel, or that novella, and adapted by Michael McDowell for the screen, with an original air date of November 25th, 1984. So here's the uh, official synopsis for the episode from Fangoria. Richard Hagstrom, an unhappily married writer, receives a souped-up homemade word processor with execute and delete commands that can alter the composition of reality. Seizing a golden opportunity to improve his home life, Richard erases his unpleasant elements and replaces them with more agreeable surroundings. That's the most sterile fucking, like, description I've ever heard. That is really softballing what the <laughs> fuck he does to Dentsu <laughs> He replaces disagreeable with agreeable. Bye. Yeah, disagreeable with agreeable. <laughs> Someone wrote that in a rush. <laughs> I disagree with my son's existence. <laughs> I think Bruce Davidson's character, by the way, could be potentially two characters in the MDU, uh, depending on the timeline, or or maybe the same person. I was gonna go with he is the Hagstrom. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It could be he is the Hagstrom. Maybe you know what? Maybe his boy at the end. Maybe he's the one that we see in Titanic too. I don't know, man. He can't look. Hagstrom is Hagstrom. You know, he made those fucking <laughs> he made those fucking puppets. And then he blew his brains out when the Nazis found him. But then he used his fucking, you know, the Toulon's magic juice to bring himself back. And then he, uh, you know, he hooked up with the guys, uh, the the protectors of Fenrir and that and that sword and shit. Yeah, yeah, you be a crazy. The preventers of Ragnarok. Okay, okay. So maybe maybe this is just Bruce Davidson from uh, Titanic Two. You know when? Oh, straight up. When it ends, maybe he's got a different last name. We don't know if he's Hagstrom still. Bruce Davidson. From Titanic 2 is completely canonic- canonically this character. He uses the fucking, he uses this thing, he gets what he wants, and then he becomes rich and powerful, and then he becomes like a secret agent or some shit. Right, but he's wholly unsatisfied because everything he got he didn't fucking earn, which is why he's so sedate in Titanic 2. Yes, which is why he <laughs> sacrifices his life for the machinations of John Hurt, yes. Yeah, just fucking end it now. Now, speaking of Bruce Davidson, so I'd say up until maybe like an hour ago, yeah, you know, when I went to like rewatch this episode, I, for the longest time, thought this was Harry Anderson. Oh, I my thought God. it was Night Court Guy. I kept calling him Night Court Guy. Me too, Chris. For Forever, I thought it was Harry Anderson. And then I'm, I'm like going to like search. I'm like, wait, who's this guy then? So I went to search like, you know, just looking up Harry Anderson. I typed in Harry Dean Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Dude, imagine that if it was him in this. He's like walking around with a cigarette hanging off of his fucking lip the entire yeah, time. Yeah, pulled up Richard Dean Anderson. 
I'm like, what is MacGyver doing here? <laughs> what is going on in this one? MacGyver might have gotten some more wishes out of it. He could have kept this thing running a lot longer. MacGyver would have would have rigged this thing to give him like literally anything he wanted with more buttons. Um, uh, Chris, I'll do you one better. I didn't find out it was Bruce Davidson until about two minutes ago because I walked into this episode thinking it was Harry Anderson. <laughs> oh, that's even yeah, that's even better. <laughs> But what's even funnier is in a couple episodes we're gonna fucking get Harry Anderson <laughs> in a ta- Tales from the Dark Side. It's it's again full circle here. <laughs> it's all connected, baby. You can't you can't get away from it. When I heard his name, I was like, oh, this is a canonical MDU prequel. Is what this is. Yeah, and like as I'm watching the episode, like you know, after I found out it's not who I thought it was, you know, it's like okay, it's Bruce Davidson. I'm trying to like get that in my head. I'm watching the episode. I'm like, wait, no, this is Harry Anderson. <laughs> It's like, and even now, I'm still convinced it's the Night Court guy. Did you ty- did you type it in on your on the computer that your uh, or the word processor your your nephew gave you? And you were like, yeah. Harry Anderson is <laughs> is in this episode right now from the grave. Execute. Do you type it as shitty as you can first, and then just go along and like sterilize it for some reason, and just make it a more pleasant sentence? So this was based on a Stephen King story? Yeah. I thought I recognized the title of it, too. I was like, I I know this story, but I don't think I know the story. Yeah, this is another one. After, you know, following up after uh, Inside the Closet, which, is, you know, we kind of said was one of the more iconic Tales from the Dark Side episodes. Sure. This is another one that was promoted heavily on the tapes. Yeah, and it's like they really led with the uh, the Steve, Stephen King part. This is actually on, not only is it on a uh, Tales from the Dark Side tape, but there was another tape release called Stephen King's Golden Stories or some shit like that. And and they would take all the episodes from Tales from the Dark Side that Stephen King wrote or that was branded with Stephen King and put it on that tape too and sold it that way. Hey, it's a good idea. It's a good marketing ploy. That's a real smart double dip. No, sure, but, like, just to Chris's point, like, it has Stephen King's name emblazoned on it, so of course people are going to be like, this is the one to watch, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this was the one on the tape. It's like, oh, Stephen King, I know that name. Yeah. It's like, I'll rent this series. It's so weird now to, like, to compare that to, like, like a modern-day horror show because you don't get, like, a, an episode that is headlined by a writer or a creator. You get a show or a whole fucking season that's like like Jordan Peele presents Twilight Zone like right. I don't know there's no there's no ep- I don't think you can find a singular episode from something that's running now where it's like this one was written by fucking Jason Bloom or whatever I don't know what the fuck he's not a writer or anything <laughs> right no it makes sense because we're we're in an age where there are no like I, maybe masters is the wrong word to say but like people that really stand out and break the mold I guess is that what I want to say? Like, well, I think the problem is that, like, okay, let's look at, uh, like, uh, what the fuck is his name? It directed Monsters in Rogue One. Uh, fuck. Uh, Gareth. Edwards. Oh, Gareth Edwards. Gareth yeah. Edwards. Gareth Edwards makes a movie that gets you know some critical buzz, and then they're like, all right, well, here's a Star Wars. There's no escalation. There's no build. There's no. You're not witnessing like the growth, the, the rise of someone who, who or any development. They're just like, yeah, here's a billion dollars. Make a Star Wars. Yeah, well, that's the thing with King. <laughs> but that's the thing with King too. Like, he's a household name, but it's yeah. all very pulpy and very crass. And also keep in mind at this point, you know, this one is late November 1984. Yeah, he was like in his prime here. Yeah. I. Uh, oh yeah. 
Was he cocaine and cough medicine? Was, no. I was, say, was, he, was he slinging <laughs> cough medicine and getting fucking blitzed? Well, I was going to say, too, just to that point, uh, you know, weirdly enough, do you, you think he pulled from his own life on this one at all? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, he does that every time, dude. Oh, God, I hope not. Yeah, so he's yeah he's coasting on, on coke at this point. Didn't he say like he doesn't even remember writing Christine? That's how fucked up he was half the time? Yeah, that's crazy. What year did Christine come out? And oh, that was uh, eighty four. I want to say eighty four. Oh, so it came out the same year as this fucking series. And even with uh, Maximum Overdrive, he says he doesn't remember uh, directing that. Can you believe that <laughs> shit? <laughs> we gotta do that on the main show at some point, please. Oh, one hundred and ten percent, dude. I've never seen it, so there you go. <laughs> and this is a fun thing to pull up. Just type in Stephen King Maximum Overdrive. Look for like set photos, and just and look in his eyes. <laughs> tell me he isn't coked out of his fucking mind. Right, because he has a bit part in the beginning, right? Yeah, he has a bit part in, in most of his stories. In a lot of stuff, yeah. Yeah, which is, that's that's fun. I love his cameo in It Chapter 2, where he's just like, yeah, he's good, but he sucks at the endings. And he's <laughs> like, have a good day. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's another Stephen King uh, self, self nod. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like this story. The word processor of the gods. Um... Kind of kicks off. We we meet Bruce Davison and his family, and he's kind of like this. Uh, Harry Anderson, <laughs> his son of a bitch. Bruce the doormat Davidson. Yeah, excuse me. He is Mister Nightcourt. Okay. Yeah. Well, regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, Joe. He is a fucking doormat because he's got this domineering wife that's pushing him around, and his son who's constantly playing the guitar all the way rack. You know, racked up to eleven. Oh yeah, those those definitely go to eleven. Real quick, Karen Shallow as uh, Lena Hagstrom here. Uh, she is going to pop up in the Monster series because she is in um, One Wolf's Family with um, Jerry Stiller and his wife, uh, Anne Mira. Ooh. Plays the nosy neighbor. She's great in this. Yeah, and then uh, speaking of Jerry Stiller, she's in two other episodes in this series. It just, I mean, just her voice, but that still counts. No, it totally counts. And uh, the, the Jerry Stiller episode is fucking great, dude. Devil's Advocate, can't wait. That's another iconic one. We've had we've had a few nagging wives in this show so far, but uh, this woman she's been probably the best one so far. She really like sticks it to this guy. She fucking takes the taco, man. She's a fucking asshole. I want to smack this bitch in the face. <laughs> but he's also got that whole thing where it's like he regrets marrying her and not her sister. No, no, no. It's not her sister. <laughs> it's. His brother's wife that he wanted to marry. Oh, 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 my mistake. Yeah, I, I, here's the thing about this, like, so between, like, between him, his wife, and his kid, I was like, I don't care for any of you fuckers at this point. You're all fucking equally shitty. Oh, <laughs> yeah. There's, like, trash all over the fucking house, and, like... Yeah, that's the best part of, the like, the setup. It's, like, credits are still rolling, and the camera's just panning across the sink, and there's garbage everywhere, like, <laughs> food <laughs> sitting out. There's a watermelon in the sink. Yeah, well, it's directed... Well, real quick, I I mean, we, we did say... Oh, yeah, we skimmed this over. Yeah, yeah, it's Michael Gornick, dude. He fucking did Slippage, and, of course, he, you know, he directed uh, Creepshow 2, uh, if you go back and listen to that Slippage episode. Right. Another episode that is shot really well, the lighting especially in this one is, like... Really put to use uh, effectively. Again, man, we're hitting that stride, baby. This episode takes place primarily in, like, one room, and they do a whole fucking lot with that one room. Yeah, it's, like, just like the last one. It's, like, two two real areas. You're right, Connor, because it's, like, in the last one, it was the mansion, like, hallway in the room, and this one is, like, this kitchen area and this garage that he hangs out in, or attic, or wherever he has this thing. His basement, his study, quote-unquote. Yeah, and, like, be- because this... Sh- this- I didn't, you know, I didn't watch the show growing up. This is kind of like my first real tour through it, I guess. Like, I am 
pretty impressed with how much they can do with so little. And it's just kind of making me think of like, you know, shows like Monsters and stuff like that, where I like I'm just thinking about how many times I've seen shows like this where I, I didn't really appreciate how much they were doing with so fucking little to use. Yeah. And especially in the time limit. Like, that's the that's what yeah. the beauty is about this 20 minute episode. Like, what is it? Like 25 minutes long? Yeah. Yeah. And, and they and they fit so much into it, especially this one. This one's rich, I, I feel like. with uh, uh, I, This one's OK. So like my original uh intro was gonna be i'm conor mcgraw and what the fuck um (laughs) because i think i I, for me personally i think this episode is like where it lacks in like you know going anywhere or showing off anything really too flashy or like any monster effects or you know something like that typical harsh tables i think it makes up with like existential what the fuckery to the point where like Mm. by the end of it i'm like shocked i'm like this guy cannot be doing this i'm like oh god (laughs) again <laughs> and uh real quick just i mean since we're talking about you know stretching the budget um joe one thing i want to point out here is with the sets in mind i think like and this is just a weird connection that might come up you know later on when we get to like monsters mm-hmm. way down the road yeah but i'm convinced that the basement set here in this episode is the same set in the mr slobber mr slobber <laughs> right it might um maybe right i know it's a stretch but then it's a it's like i wouldn't put it past him to reuse a set like this well so a uh a fun little aside being a uh a fan of all the cw shows sometimes i see the same staircase six times a week because it's all filmed in the same t- city in canada <laughs> the the only the only thing i would say as a as why it wouldn't be because i feel like these sets were made and immediately taken down like as soon as they were done <laughs> that too that's that's kind of the 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 question it's like they they wouldn't have stored these in a warehouse for all like right harry years. get off the set i'm bruce whatever whatever <laughs> whatever you say yeah whatever titanic 2 guy get out of here whatever you say there man whatever you say harry go back to night court how's mr mole <laughs> are you supposed to be shooting it somewhere with fucking tommy lee Wallace? get out of here no that's john ritter <laughs> So uh, yeah, in this episode, John Ritter, he uh, lives. <laughs> <laughs> so don't do that. You will mind fuck me to death. Okay, I will. I will walk out of this episode like, yeah, it was John Ritter, and he had a fucking word processor, and his son was Harry Anderson. Like probably he. Well, he is a problem child in this episode. <laughs> it's all connected. <laughs> so, so Bruce Davison comes home. Uh, and uh, he, so his brother has just killed uh, his family because he was a drunk. So he ran himself and his nephew and his uh, sister-in-law off a fucking cliff and killed them. Dark ass shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because the whole thing is Bruce Davidson secretly was in love with his brother's wife all these years and right. thought that his nephew was be- a better son than his actual son. Right. And that's that's kind of what I'm getting at here. It's like it's the context of this guy loathing his own existence so much and coveting like this his own brother's family and then being angry that they're all dead like i i'm to me i'm like Ugh. like ugh. slime just like exudes off this guy yeah now here's where we're going to have like a good discussion because like i take it as you know less of him being in love with his sister-in-law and more of him just wanting that kind of relationship that his brother had with his family right like you know his brother was an asshole he's sort of the opposite and he's like a nicer guy but his family sucks yeah and like you 
it's it's like the drunk should be with this woman that he's with and like he he just wants to be i don't know respected loved enjoy his family yeah it's like they were yeah they were good people he's a good guy yeah and i think he's i mean that's how i you know read it personally it's like him liking the idea of like a good son and like a friendly wife now he never but bruce davison never i mean (laughs) he never says anything terrible about these people he gets pissed off at them but he's like oh you know you're my son and i love you or whatever like you're my wife and i love you whatever but like can you just like stop he never he you know he just lays the fuck down while he gets pummeled by both of them (laughs) yeah but his nephew had uh, left him this like self-made word processor, like made out of wood and shit. This this Job ass looking, <laughs> fucking lawnmower man, motherfucking word processor. It's real good. I could fix anything. I could fix it. I, I tell you what, they call me they call me the word processor man, and I fixed it. <laughs> I I think Job teamed up with fucking Pookie to make this thing. <laughs> you think Mookie's in that fucking thing? <laughs> he might be. I'm just picturing like what was that? What was the nephew's name? I can't remember his name. It was uh, uh, whatever. I'm just seeing Jonathan. His John, Jonathan, Jonathan yeah. There we go. He's just like you just see his hands reaching through a window and just stealing out of Job's fucking like his shack, like while he's reading a comic book or something. Help me! You get him, Cybo man. Just lifting it. Yeah. Then he uploads Mookie in there. Yeah, <laughs> Mookie's on the fucking drive on the disc. The network. I'm in the network. I'm gonna make all the phones ring. Yeah, that'll be our battle cry. Job told me to say that. <laughs> me and Job are teaming up. And you can intercut like giant mnemonic typing. <laughs> <laughs> He's really good at Scrabble and like I don't know, want world domination? Question mark. So, so he, so he, so Bruce brings his fucking thing inside, and he, and, and uh, it's in like twelve boxes. Yeah, and the and his brother's neighbor Tom is helping him unload it and he's like, Oh yeah, uh I love I love that boy. I love Belinda and I love that boy Jonathan. They were good people. Your brother's a piece of shit though, but uh They were so they were, they were such perfect human beings. My God, your family's such a wretched sack of shit, my Jesus Christ, my God. Yeah, he's uh he's Mr. Exhibition right Wait, now. Wait, I'm Chris, is he Mr. Exposition or Mr. Exhibition? Because those are two totally uh, different <laughs> I know. As soon as soon as I said it, it I yeah, I fucked up. <laughs> I'm a stripper by night, fellas. Here we go. <laughs> Oh my god! So he takes this fucking thing into the basement. He's basically like, John was a smart boy. He he fucking you know the ground is sour. He but he built this thing for you. Um, it's a word processor, and he's like, hey, you know, John always told me that he was gonna make me one of these or whatever. And he plugs it in, and he's like, what do you think? Does it? You think it's gonna work, uh, Tom? And he's like, I don't know, but I saw a fucking I saw some I saw a kid scrape the cellophane off the back of a deck of playing cards and make a pipe bomb. So, you know, kids are crazy like that, you know? What 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 is this accent? What's this W C Fields? I don't know what you're doing here. <laughs> That's what he kinda sounds like. I got I'm gonna go now, I gotta go watch a fucking uh, dog in the television show and maybe participate. I need a cigar and I need a soak. Uh, a stat. Get me a Meister Brow, would ya? Yeah, so Harry Anderson finishes putting the, uh, <laughs> the computer together. <laughs> Looks like like the fucking keys. I mean, I know they're not actually Lego pieces, but every time they showed them, I thought they were fucking Lego pieces. They're like bright colors. Every time they close, they do like a close-up shot of this thing. I could smell electrical burning. Like it's <laughs> it's the jankiest looking thing I've ever seen. I want to make a fucking replica of this fucking thing, dude. It's terrifying looking. I wouldn't touch that thing at all. Yeah, just get cardboard and some wires, and that's ninety percent of it. Yeah, I would like. 
plugging that in would activate my fight or flight experience, like my, uh, like like response. I don't even know what I would do with it. I I gotta say, thank God that Bruce Davidson figured out what the trick was early. Like you know, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. But I just imagine, what if he wrote like some really like horrific like war book, like aliens attack the Earth and destroy everything, and he hits execute, and then he just went to go print it out. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, the world's fucking over because your <laughs> stupid book, Bruce. <laughs> He presses execute and the fucking Mars from Mars attacks just kick his door and <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so yeah, Bruce Davidson. There's like a really like kind of heartbreaking scene because he puts the disc in and it says "Happy Birthday, Uncle Richard," and he's like, "Oh shit, it is my birthday today." And it just happens. So it happens that it was delivered on his birthday. He even says to his wife later. He mentions it, and she's like, "Yeah, so you want a cookie?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, why don't you wish for some fucking money, you low life?" So he has like this uh, vision, like a flashback almost of him with Jonathan in the basement. And he's like, and he's like, "Yeah, I really want a word processor because I can, you know, increase my output or whatever because I just have this shitty typewriter." And he's like, he's like, and Jonathan's like, "Yeah, well, you know that." The uh the shake on that fucking typewriter you know can uh, register a three point five on the Richter scale. Uh, I'm gonna build you one of those uh, word processes, but I don't have much time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a very like cryptic way of saying like, my dad's gonna drive me off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He comes back and he comes back and shakes some chains at him. <laughs> oh man, he's all fucking. He's he's all soaked. He's like Ted Danson in Creepshow, dude. He's fucking full of seaweed. No, I mean he just. No, I mean, he walks right back into the room and just starts shaking chains ominously. Oh, yeah. and, and Harry Anderson's like, what the fuck? Found these in the garage, Uncle yeah. Richard. Uh. <laughs> Wait, now here's an idea. What if Jonathan wrote in the computer that his dad drives off a cliff? Oh. Oh, yeah, exactly. Ends it all. This is the first supernatural implica- implication you get. I mean, th- we're going to get into some supernatural shit, but it's also like supernatural technology stuff, which I'm a big fan of. Computers. Computers, magic and computers. That fucking guy from Mookie and Pookie was full of shit, dude. He Evil speak, if you will. You know, you know who you know whose computer this actually is? It's Richard Moles from the Dungeon Master, okay? It's yes. one of those yeah. <laughs> P- precisely. And he's like, Hello, Harry Anderson. Or or evil speak. Take your pick. Yeah, yeah. Fucking Clint Howard's down there like, oh man, I'm I'm gonna get the devil in here. He's gonna we're gonna do some cool stuff. I'm gonna float around, I'm gonna have a fucking claymore, I'm gonna cut off people's heads. It's gonna be great. <laughs> I'm gonna get revenge on those bullies. That's some wild ass shit there. He just t- types execute and Clint Howard bursts out of the top of this thing with a fucking sword <laughs> in his hand. Esteban. <laughs> Cuts his head off. So anyway, <laughs> wait. Yeah, where were we? <laughs> the fucking MDU is collapsing in this fucking episode. <laughs> we were like trying to outrun the fucking ball in Indiana Jones. So, um, <laughs> so he's sitting on his computer or his word processor rather, and he's just you know the, his fucking son's upstairs playing guitar, and it's like super annoying. He's like, God damn it, Seth, you're a fucking loser, or whatever. You know, shut up. <laughs> oh, and the funny thing about the son, real quick, is like. Every time he goes to talk to his son, I swear he say he has like one line in the entire show. Later, later. He's like yelling at his son, <laughs> "Pick up the phone." Later. <laughs> Can you answer the door? Later. He he gives me strong. Uh, I, what well, I guess like we see far less of him, but like, God, what the fuck was the uh, the annoying kid's name from uh, Home Sweet Home? The one that like they named horribly. Is it some kind of mean joke? Oh, mistake. Mistake. Yes, mistake. Yeah, he's he gives me strong mistake vibes. <laughs> He's a large mistake, you know what I'm I'm saying? He's a very, he's a much bigger one, yeah. What if there were a way to fix the mistake? Oh, 
There just might be, Chris. Uh, because he's, like, fucking around on this word processor. He's trying to get, like, you know, do a little uh, free writing. And he's not liking anything he's writing. He keeps deleting it, keeps deleting it, keeps deleting it. Then just, I guess out of pure whatever, he types, the picture of my wife on the shelf disappears. <laughs> yeah, he looks at the picture of his wife hanging on the wall and get kind of, like, scowl a little bit just at the sight of her. My fo- The photo of my wife is upstairs. In a different room. Yeah, and then he hits execute and... Uh, it disappears. Yeah, gone. Poof. No more wife. I made the portrait of my wife disappear. <laughs> but then I'm going to make it reappear because I need to make sure that this is the computer doing the thing. <laughs> and I'm having some kind of psychotic episode. Which he does. <laughs> yeah, and then he sees the, the, you know, the picture of her not there anymore. So he's like, huh. All right. I'll wish he- for some gold. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a wish. <laughs> I mean, okay, he doesn't just ask for gold. He gets hyper-specific. He's like, I find a sack of <laughs> doubloons, Spanish doubloons, of on my floor. Twelve doubloons. He, he straight up asks for what a medieval supervillain would hand to a henchman. He has twelve doubloons. <laughs> and only only twelve doubloons. I turn to my fiancé while I'm watching this, and I say, this guy's an asshole. Just ask for, like, $60 billion and just have it appear. Doesn't he weigh it, too? He's like, oh, my God, 12 real blooms. I better go weigh them. He, he wanted to see if it worked, right? But it's one of those things where... Uh, sure. We're all writers here. We've all sat down to write. When the fuck have you ever sat down to write and you're like, meh, my picture of my wife is on the thing or whatever like why would he type that in i think it just starts with him just like wishful thinking it's like him kicking back trying to think of some ideas and he's like oh this ugly woman is i can't look at her anymore (laughs) i hate my wife this hideous beast i would like a basket of 72 francs but because he's like some vanilla ass guy he doesn't just write i wish my wife would disappear he's like her picture though you know if anything happened to that who cares it also has to ramp up. It can't. You can't oh, just yeah, fucking yeah. start, you know, dishing shit out right off the fucking bat. If he was like, "Yeah, I wish my house was gone," or "I wish I didn't have the <laughs> stupid life execute." Yeah, it's just him messing around his com- his computer, trying to, you know, just kick some ideas around. Yeah, but to me, this is the start of the heel turn. This is the moment where he's he gets the he he gets the taste, and then he goes from zero to a thousand in like you know a day. Um. Why not? Fuck it. He like so. So he makes his his wife's picture disappear and reappear, and then he's and then like Sean said, he wishes for, he wishes. Jesus Christ! You got me saying wishes. He types it in and says, uh, "There's there's a sack of doubloons on the ground. There's twelve of them in there. Spanish ones. Uh, execute." It's a fucking genie. Come on, it might as well be. It's a good spin on it, though. The nature of this show is like it's it's cost cutting. And so, like, the reason I think it's doubloons is because someone's like, yo, I have this pouch of gold-looking bullshit. Well, can, we, can we use it in the show or something? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's from the other set or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. It looks like it, it feels like something that was left around. Someone goes, huh, we could probably use this at some point. Like, So so he grabs this shit and he figures out it's, like, worth $24,000. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Go big or go home, man. Yeah. And he's like, holy shit, and this is $24,000 in 1984, and we all know from the slippage episode that $25,000 a year is good money for a graphic designer, so imagine making that, like, in a day. Oh, yeah. I mean, shit, if I had $24,000 right now, I'd be happy, but anyway. Me too. I'd be happy than picking shit, okay? (laughs) Yeah, and then as he's all excited that he's got, you know, all these uh, Spanish doubloons, 
the phone's ringing, his son's still playing guitar, and he's just getting, he's kind of like coming back to reality a little bit. <laughs> it's fucking Tom on the phone. And Tom's like, hey, hey how you doing there, buddy? He's like, he's like, does that thing work? And he's like, oh, yeah, it works. Uh, you want to come over and see? And he's like, uh, I don't fucking think so. Listen, John was really smart, and I know what the fuck you're doing over there. And uh, all I got to say is be careful, okay? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you can get fucked anyway. Don't fucking type my name on that goddamn computer. There. <laughs> Whatever you, I will fucking haunt the shit out of you. <laughs> what does he have, like a magic detector? How the hell does he know this thing's being used? Like, what is he talking about? I feel like tremor in the earth every time you type something into that. John was a smart boy. I know what that fucking machine does, kiddo. He knows what he's doing because he's an exhibitionist, so he's watching Harry Anderson through the window, okay? <laughs> Just like Chris said. <laughs> yeah, he's got binoculars <laughs> out. He's outside in a big-ass fucking mobile phone. He made that picture disappear and reappear. He's wasting wishes. Uh, Sean, real quick. Um, so in the beginning when you were like, oh, um, you know, he was in love with his... Uh, or his uh, his brother's wife. Like I always have the episode on the background when we're like doing these, and I guess when I rewatched it before we did the episode, I didn't catch the part where he actually explicitly types out the woman I loved. So that's yeah. So I didn't catch that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, straight up, man. He he's like infatuated with her, but like even his wife knows that. So I take my whole statement before completely retract that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, it's a little less, uh, little less vague than I ex- than I thought it was. So he ends up going back downstairs. You know, he's like, all right, thanks, Tom. He's like, all right, don't fucking put an eye out or whatever. So he goes back downstairs and he's typing in the shit, and he's about to type in, I have ideas for twenty, you know, uh, award winning novels, best selling novels. Excuse me. Yeah, he puts in ten at first. And then he's like, why not? Let's Fuck put, it. Let's make it 20. I thought he was, if he hit fucking execute on this, I thought his head was going to explode like scanners. I was like, there's no way. <laughs> it, is a, it is a weird, like, it's a weird command, I guess you'd say, because why not just say, like, I have already made 20 successful right. novels. Boom. How about <laughs> I have $400 billion? I mean, right. there's, I mean, yeah, obviously there's that one, but like. You well, know, then it'll be like a Leprechaun 2 sort of thing. <laughs> Oh, it's in his belly, you think? Yeah, his stomach just starts swelling up. <laughs> oh, God, more Spanish doubloons than he knows what to do with in there. So uh, right before he can get executed, the fucking, uh, his, uh, his disgusting son blows a fucking fuse with his guitar, and he freaks out and turns it back on. He's like, that's it, I'm going to murder you. And that was the that was the straw that broke the Davidsons back, dude. He fucking sits down and he's like he's like the fuse that broke the camel's back. Yeah, he's like, My son is whatever, whatever Hagstrom. Deleted. My disgusting pig son. <laughs> My disgusting pig of a son. Yeah, he's gotta sneak an yeah, insult okay. in there. I, I so I have a perfect supervillain comparison to back up why I think this is just some heinous-ass shit. So um, uh, our favorite uh, Yellow Speedster has done these exact same things to his, like, academic rivals and people he doesn't like. He runs the past and plucks them from his life and removes them from history, period. So they were never a problem to begin with. And he just improves his own life over the course of several decades. So this isn't quite the reverse Flash, but maybe, like, the slow-moving typing Flash? (laughs) So Harry Anderson is the Flash. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, we all know that the reverse flash worked at the fucking putt-putt, okay? And True. fucked with those, di- the dinosaur bit that guy's dick. It's all part of the same universe. Remove too many people with a timeline, and you end up working at a putt-putt course facing down with little dinosaurs. Yes, the, the pygmy dinosaur timeline, yep. 
so Bruce Davison makes his fucking, he makes his son disappear, and he's gone. And then he goes upstairs, and I love this so much. Like, this is a big part of uh, why I love the first Creep Show so much is because they do these one-take shots where it's like a dream. And they do this in the Tales from the Dark Side movie, too, in, in The Cat from Hell, where it's like a dream or, like, somebody's telling a story or something, and it, like, goes into this one scene and then kind of brings you back to reality almost because Bruce Davison comes upstairs, and he he's freaking out because he thinks his wife is going to be like, you murdered our son! You know, where, where's our son? Oh, yeah, 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 I love this. Yeah, she comes in the door like it's all, like, you know, exaggerated blue lighting and the, and you have, like, a Dutch angle going on. Yeah, the camera's all tilted in. And as, like, and, and during the take, it's like you see the lights change. Yeah. It, which is something you don't really see too often. Like you said, Creep Show, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, it goes from one scene to another, like, within the same scene, all practically. Yeah, someone's just in the background, like, flipping a switch or plugging a light in. Turning the fucking dimmer up. <laughs> I was genuinely taken aback because I didn't, you know, obviously, it's my first viewing. I didn't know this was a uh, kind of got you moment. The same, And yeah. uh, I was like, oh, shit, like, he he's aware that he killed his son. It's not just, like, some kind of magic thing where, like you know, what actually ends up happening happens. Like, I was like, oh, my God, I didn't see this coming. And then you get that switch, and it's like, oh, no, yeah, no, it never existed. Yeah, it's like the person, <laughs> it's it's like it's like his guilty conscience, you know what I mean? And we're, like, watching it in, like, this exaggerated, like, comic booky type uh, scene, you know? Right, like, what he's thinking probably is he's walking up the stairs from the right. basement. exactly. And, and she's like, his wife comes in. I mean, it's obviously uh, his thoughts, but she's like, you killed our son. You didn't want to marry me anyway. You just didn't marry Belinda because you're a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> so my other thing with, like, with what he does to, like, th- the whole deletion process and, like, just removing his son from his life so he never existed at all i'm like hold on he would walk outside the next day to a completely different life because you can't just unpluck you can't pluck one person from existence and expect everything to be the same so that's why this shit terrifies me because he's just like yeah i'll play god for a few hours well there's a there's a couch in his room now (laughs) yeah yeah well, and I think that's kind of the point that they're trying to make with this, that maybe that's what he did think was going to happen, you know, whether he thought she was going to freak or his life would be different. What I don't know what he thought. Maybe he didn't even think it would do anything. I think Connor's saying the repercussions of just removing somebody and their entire existence from... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, my, my, because, because, of, because my, I always, my brain is always like is always dancing around the context of this stuff and always trying to put, like... Sure. Is trying to open doors in this little pocket universe. And, like, I just immediately thought of, like, Doctor Who and shit like that and time travel stories where, like, if you you can't just go, uh, like, you know, bring someone back who was killed or kill someone who lived during that time because you're going to drastically alter, like, everything around you because, like... Sure. Yeah. Well, his sloppy pig son isn't going to fucking change much, I don't yeah, maybe, think. Yeah, maybe the guy's pig son just didn't make that much of a difference to begin with. <laughs> I think that's what they're getting at. I mean, that's very true, but also because I because his life is in such a small bubble, like he's just a regular-ass guy, Like I feel like it would be like pretty drastic. Right, well, I guess that was my kind of what I was trying to get at there, is that nothing's different. It's just his wife's still an asshole. Like, she's not different in any way. Because he goes to her like, oh, do you ever regret not having kids? And she's like, no. What would I do with a rug rat? You think she's a little bit better than she was. I mean, she's still a bitch, but, like, not so bad. A little bit. And then he's like, oh, it's my birthday today. And she's like, yeah? Why don't you wish for some fucking money, scumbag? Good night. 
And that's when he's like, all right, well, hmm. Yeah, he kind of laughs to himself. He's like, I'll get the last laugh, bitch. <laughs> that's, that's when you would place Kill Bill Sirens. <laughs> he heads right back down to that computer. He's he he he's, he fucking cracks a beer. He fucking heads back down. He's like, "Here we go, baby. <laughs> Time to change my life for the better." So he starts. He sits down and he starts typing out. Uh, you, uh, well, first of all, the the word processor starts smoking, and you're like, "Oh shit!" And he's like, "Oh, I don't have much time." So he's typing out his last uh, request, if you will, and um, he's like, "Oh, you know." I'm a man who lives alone except for my beloved wife, Belinda, and my wonderful son, Jonathan. And he keeps typing this in, and then the fucking computer, like, takes a shit. And it's like, overload, overload! Like, the fucking, the the Mookie Bell start going off. Before that, though, he does erase his wife. And that's when it starts smoking because he thinks, like, his life's going to be better without her. But it's just, like, literally nothing changes. He's just still some schlub you know, alone, uh, you know, doesn't have anything for him. It's, like, actually worse than it was before, and that's when the computer really starts to, like, light on fire and shit, and that's when he's like, oh, fuck, what did I do? And he's trying to, like, save himself. Now that you mention it, they don't really show what happens after his wife disappears. Like, we don't cut back to the picture, because, like, before you cut back to the picture and, like, his son's out of the picture and they have, like, a fucking chihuahua dog or some shit, but when this <laughs> yeah. happens, it, they never cut back. Yeah, with his, with his son, at least, you have him, like, he's playing guitar in the other room and then as you know richard's uh typing in like oh my pig son's gone <laughs> what, whatever he types <laughs> death to my pig son you know as he's typing into the computer his son's playing guitar so you have that like dramatic like the sound stops from the other yeah room. the hard stop yeah when it yeah. says done yeah and i i still you know i'm joking here to a point because obviously the point of this episode is what he ends up wishing for last or typing it however you want to look at it but i was sitting there like you know he kind of wasted a couple of those uh those, those wishes man he could have just went with this last one and just it would have sorted itself out and it wouldn't have fucking lit on fire right away well he's got a nice life with uh 12 doubloons now <laughs> yeah he's 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 fucking made that 24 grand. Yeah, there you go, man. Too bad he couldn't hit execute on those 20 uh, novel ideas. Wait, wait, wait well, okay, so, but, but, but the implication of the ending does he even have that shit anymore because it's in a different location? That's what I'm saying. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't. <laughs> so, so the fucking thing starts blowing up and he's trying to fucking, you know, his light's on fire and he's trying to keep putting this the same phrase in about, uh, you know, his Belinda and Jonathan and how that's his life now. I was having flashbacks to Star Trek like the fucking Enterprise just got hit by something yeah dude so we're going down captain <laughs> sing fucking goes up he's hitting execute 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 and it just kind of like crossfades into jonathan coming down the stairs he's like hey dad he's like dad you almost fucking you, you're right that fucking thing just blew up you okay there yeah and he's looking at a portrait that's uh you know not his you know gross family that he used to have and he's got hot wife yeah <laughs> yeah now it's belinda and jonathan now he's happy in the photo do you think uh, his uh, Earth A, Earth One, Earth A, whatever the fuck, <laughs> uh, wife and son, are they with the drunk brother? Or they just they don't exist? Are they are they, are they just totally erased? <laughs> yeah, what happened to the brother? The brother, right? Sean, if there's a canonical ending, I, that's mine. I'm sorry, that's I think that's brilliant. Here, you want the real downer? Fucking drunk brother gets fucking shit hammered and comes over and fucking massacres the whole family. <laughs> oh my god, it's <laughs> Terry O'Quinn. Yeah, it's yeah. 
<laughs> the stepbrother. How wow would be if 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 Harry Davidson or Bruce Anderson, um, he, it it crossfades into white and he's behind the fucking wheel of the car and he looks and there's Belinda and Jonathan with him. He's like, oh no, Harry Anderson <laughs> is his drunk brother that comes over and fucking kills the family. <laughs> And then he takes his mustache off and the glasses. Wait, the the brother is Richard Dean Anderson. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's how, that's how you uh, you know wrap it all around. But then he takes his mask off and he's Richard Mole. But it's actually Gunnar Henson. <laughs> you know, the lore is deep on this show, for those that know. And he would have gotten away for it too if it wasn't for that munchie. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. Oh, and then the weird shot here after, you know, his, he's talking to his new son. His, uh, you know, son 2.0. <laughs> The son he always wanted. The weird shot here is like now it shows the wife, you know, Belinda. She's not in the same shot as they are. Like she doesn't come over and, you know, they have a big family hug. Yeah. It's like a cut in. She's in a different shot with like different lighting and just like standing there. She looks like either a ghost or a woman who's been lobotomized. Yeah. It definitely looks like she's aware of like what's happening. She's like, why Why was I brought back from the dead? Yeah. <laughs> Well, they also like that because that's where I thought it was going. And instead we get this kind of happy ending. But they also, you know, this is kind of an interesting uh, decision, whether it's from the director or the art department, where there's kind of this like, for lack of a better term, like this like mist or fog that's kind of emanating around in this scene. Ethereally like dreamlike, yeah. Yeah. I saw this as a few different things. On the surface level, I saw this as like, oh, the shithead just wins, which I thought was actually fascinating. I'm like, that's fucked up and really interesting to think about that he just gets what he wants despite the machine blowing up um because it's just like a, it's a good gut punch the second one was that that fucking thing blew up and killed his ass um <laughs> and that this is some kind of like this is his nerves firing off or something like that here's something like does belinda have those memories of dying and jonathan kind of does he have them too because he kind of foresaw you know, he had that foresight of seeing his own death and, like, how to prevent it? Maybe. What if this was all, like, I'm what if, you know, Dad is actually just, like, the the middle wheel in this? This is kind of all Jonathan's game plan because what is, he's like, I don't have much time. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. <laughs> I don't like my dad. He's a piece of shit, but I love you, Uncle Richard. Want to be my dad? Here we go. It's not weird. Do you think he fucking coerced his dad to drink and drive off that cliff? I, I don't know. He could have wished for it, like you were saying. Yeah, or, yeah, this is part of a plan. He wrote a story about it. <laughs> my dad drives off a cliff, and then my <laughs> then I give a computer to my uncle, and he brings me back. <laughs> that grants wishes. And he makes several weird wishes before finally blowing it up and waking up in my house as my dad. And my mom brings us Coco the end. It's, it's a monkey's paw story for the 80s. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, like, if Jonathan is aware of what happened or not, like, you think he goes to uh, his uncle dad, like, hey, you kind of wasted some of those wishes with the picture and and phasing your family out. You know, I gave you those all those extra, you know, ram to work with so you could ask for, like, invincibility and, like, billions of dollars, but you just, you, you fucking pissed it away on making a picture, you know, disappear and reappear. So, uh, so what do we all think of this? What's our final thoughts on this? Uh, this is, uh, I think it's my favorite episode so far, if I'm going to be honest. Um, I think this is, and, you know, I didn't know this was a Stephen King story when I went into it, so it really doesn't have anything to do with it, but I think the, like, just the, the concept is really cool because it's, one, it really feels like one of those, like, those 80s or 90s, like, technophobia kind of things where it's like, computers lead you to the devil or something, um, but also, it's it's got that just you know it is kind of monkey's paw ish, or it's just it's wish fulfillment gone backwards. Um, except it's just it's an interesting twist to me because the way I interpret it is like, yeah, this this really sad kind of pathetic dude 
uh, stumbles into like you know I guess the most fortuitous supernatural device he could ever come up uh, come across and just selfishly improves his life over the course of an evening. I'm like. That's a real dropkick, and I kind of respect it. Real quick, it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned the monkey's paw thing because he's in the new Creep Show series, and his episode it is literally a monkey paw episode. Oh man, why am I not surprised? Yeah, I like this one a lot, but uh, you know the uh, the happy ending, or you know maybe it is a dream. Maybe he. Uh, you know, after that thing exploded, maybe he didn't die. Maybe he just is by himself and he's dreaming about what he wanted. Um, or, you know, maybe he did get what he wanted. I don't know. But uh, I wasn't crazy about that. Like, I guess I get what they were going for. But that was the only thing in this episode that I didn't in- enjoy. So it knocks it down a little bit for me. But still a really well done episode. And uh, Bruce is, of course, uh, great. He's pretty much great in everything we've seen him in. Even Titanic 2, he fucking carried that movie on his back. <laughs> As much as he tried, at least. I will say, like, his his low-key demeanor, while it was hilarious in Titanic because he was barely there, like, he just, he looked like, well, a, yeah, yeah. He, looked like he was comatose. Like, the cold, the cold demeanor he has in this episode where he, like, he doesn't really react to the shit that he's doing or really react beforehand really sells to me, like, why this is just so fucking grim because he's just like, yeah, whatever. Well, he, ha- he has, like, a look, but that's about it, you know? Um, so yeah, this was a really good one. I would definitely, uh, check this one out if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I like this one. This is a, I think it's a solid episode. It's a, you know, strong story because it's, uh, you know, from a Stephen King short. And, uh, you know, in, with that in mind, it does stay pretty close to the source material. Um, you know, just written to a 25 minute episode. It's like, I think they do a great job with it. It kind of gets right to the point, moves along fast and, uh, yeah, we get a nice little happy ending. You know, morals aside of, uh, you know, <laughs> would you, wouldn't you. I see it as, you know, he's a decent guy trying to, uh, you know, just dealt a uh, bad hand and he uh, finds a way to fix it. I also have to imagine, you know, I don't relate to this in any way, but I could imagine people at home that were in these kind of relationships like, oh, God, yeah, I wish I could have this guy's fucking computer. Uh, and I wonder if that struck a chord with uh, people at home because, uh, I don't know, this was, uh, you know, again, this is not our first nagging wife we had. Again, you know, my favorite so far in that department. Please don't help me. Sean, I, I think it's funny you mentioned that because um, I forgot, you know, this only hit me until now, but, like, this is kind of evocative of the button, uh, which is that, like, I've seen as a writing prompt, and I can't remember who wrote the original version of it, but someone brings you a button and says, hey, you press this button and someone will die, and but we'll give you a million dollars. Like, would you do it? Like... So, uh, yeah, I just want to throw that little wrinkle in there because now that's kind of now this makes it double interesting because I like the moral implications of it. Totally. Uh, yeah, uh, this is a great one. And again, I, I had said on the Inside the Closet episode, this is th- this series is hitting its stride right now. Right, there was a good stretch here of really solid ass stories, um, and it's kind of walking into its own, coming into its own. Um, as far as the storytelling and 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 getting them across in 25 minutes and being fucking bangers, right? Uh, I mean, what more can I really say? I, it, 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 it's a Stephen King. It's based on a Stephen King story, and it's a it's really great. I love the concept of having this machine that you can that that it's it has a finite amount of. Uh, you know, I guess it's kind of like the genie in the lamp thing, like you guys were mentioning before, like a monkey's paw, rather, without the fucking negative repercussions per se. 
Yeah, I mean, if he wishes away his wife and then, like, an entire building explodes, I guess that's more of a monkey's paw situation. Yeah, or, like, you know, you, you know, if you wish for something, it, 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 but it had, like, you get it, but it's still negative at the same time. Like, right. Like, if you wish for a million dollars and then, like, your dad dies and, you, you know. Exactly. Something like that. And it has, like, limited, you know, not wishes, but, like, a limited use sort of uh, thing. Right, and I also like that, too, where it was built with, like, shitty parts. He even Jonathan even says that he builds it with shitty parts, and he's like, I don't know why I did that. Well, I'm glad you figured it out <laughs> in, in enough time to, to have us all as a family, dad, uncle, whatever. Uncle, dad. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's really coming to the forefront here. This series is starting to bl- blossom. Um, you got Gornick directing, you got McDowell writing the teleplay, and you got Stephen King on that original story, and Bruce Davison brings the goods. Everybody's really good in this. Um, it's acted really well, it's shot well, um, it looks great, and the the fucking story is just so bonkers and uh relatable i mean if i had this fucking thing tomorrow i would uh change a lot of things uh for but for a lot of people this guy's a little selfish in terms of like that's yeah. what i'm saying like he he's given godly power and the only things he does with it are just like well it's all about me now like i would be like shit rules for me and all these other people you know what i mean like everyone's okay yeah here's a good uh, this is a good question it's like if you had this word processor and it could, you know, work the same way it does in the episode. What would you write into? I it? just want everyone to be okay. Every everyone, uh, half the population of the world is disappears in <laughs> dust. No, no. Uh, <laughs> how about Stephen King starts using cocaine again? <laughs> I I would go in for that. Yeah, that would be the first one or the second one. Maximum Overdrive two. Sixty billion dollars. Um. Super speed and the ability to fly. Those that that's what I'm going with. All three of those. Okay. If I had to get a second one, everyone should be I want everyone to be okay. Super speed would probably be a close second. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean I I would like to hope that that's what I would do is say something nice like, you know, cancer is not a thing anymore. Execute, but I'd ma- I'd make sure I get those first three uh <laughs> first and then see if it's got any juice left in it. And then I guess I'll cure cancer. Curing cancer. It's on the agenda, right? But where does Stephen King and cocaine fit in the <laughs> What number would that be? <laughs> well, if it's not totally on fire, I'll write that in there. Give him another good run. That's the one that you keep typing in and hitting execute while it's on fire, right? <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my on fire command. Yeah, when it's when it's on fire, it doesn't mean that you're you're it doesn't mean it's over. You have time left. You got it's like when the Mario like you know time music. Hits. <laughs> you just got to do it fast. You're 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 gonna be fucked soon. Stephen King coke. Stephen King coke. Stephen King coke. Stephen King today died from a uh, diabetes. Apparently, he was addicted to Coca-Cola. He he went out and sniffed all the Coke in the Tri-County area. Chris, or it's like it's registering at St- as Stephen King's Coke, so every time you type it, you just get his stash in the 80s over and over and over. <laughs> oh, and my over God, again. it fills up the room. It just fills yeah, up the maybe. room. <laughs> Oops, this is not what I meant. Whoops, all Stephen King's Coke. And be careful what you wish for, right? Or be careful what you type in. Uh, I would, I would honest, like, if I had that fucking thing tomorrow, I'd just be like, I, I, I would type in... I just want everybody to be comfortable in their life. That's that's kind of my thing. Is like I don't. I I, I feel like if I had that much godly power, because my I only feel better when I'm kind of being nicer to somebody else. It's just how I work. Um, 
Especially because, like, it's to for me, it's a great cure for depression. It's just, and yeah, I'm feeling shitty. Hey, here's a fucking soda. Enjoy that. Um, like, I honestly just, if I could, I just say, like, I just want everyone to be uh, good. No fucking, like, obviously, like, bad shit happens, but, like, nothing that's, you know, completely out of your control or, or, or indifferent or sadistic or something like that. Something where you can wake up in the morning and be like, it's going to be fine. Yes. Today. Yes, you know that's what I'm gonna do when I wake up on my pile of sixty billion dollars. I'm whoa, this feels good. <laughs> Sean, if if me saying I want everyone to be okay, and in the back of your head, your version of okay is waking up on sixty billion dollars, then more power to you. Okay, <laughs> man. You don't get the computer, you fuck. You don't get the processor. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, and like to follow up with like you guys, it's like same kind of thing. It's like you you know you make it easier for other people because everyone's having a hard time. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think mine would just be like I want I want people to have more good days than bad ones. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think you can wipe it out with the word processor of the gods, but you can definitely make things better. I mean, for. For something called Of the Gods, man, it's got, like, some, lim- I wouldn't say limited applications, but, like, if I, you know what, actually, when I think about it, like, especially if it's the Greek gods, they'd be like, ha-ha, it's a computer with two buttons. Well, you don't want to see the food of the gods. That that, that just makes rats giant. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly giant rat. There you go. A fucking joke that never dies. And that goes over, uh, yeah, giant rat. Now we're talking about Graveyard Shift. Oh, yeah. Oh, it goes right into it. Another uh, another Stephen King story. Get that Coke out and cough syrup, baby. We're going to fucking minor town. If I had to map this episode of the MDU, it's just a fucking singularity, okay? It's just all this shit getting sucked into it. Like, <laughs> Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and we're starting to cross, you know, we're starting to cross a lot of lines like that just in, like, Tales from the Dark Side, Creepshow, and Monsters. With like a lot of these connections all over the place, and it's fun seeing. You know, it's like, oh, this person's in monsters. Yeah, this guy directed Creepshow too. St- Stephen King is in Creepshow. Yeah, I I feel like we're like uh you know that like old school operator that plugs all those fucking things into the different jacks and shit to talk to everybody. That's what I feel like we are, but for you know B movies. Yeah, yeah, connecting them all together like a web. But but yeah, it it there's a lot of um internal relationships between all these these different series like we like we said and and again like chickadee in this episode is from monsters too so we are going to be covering it and there's still plenty more uh tales from the dark side uh on its way to you and it's going to be great uh i uh this was uh super fun to come back to for it for now i'll try to make more but yeah this is a we we had a chance, so I took it, and I, this is a fucking blast. So, well, I'm glad you fucking came on because yes. you were supposed to be here in the first place. Yeah. Well, if you like Christian Slater, uh, you'll <laughs> like the next one. <laughs> wait, wait, what? Yeah. Oh, you you spoiled it. We got dude. We got Mr. Duncan, and we got Christian Slater in the next episode. Do not miss it. Case of the Stubborns. And we have fucking uh, uh, Brent Spiner in there, too, Data himself. Oh, my God. Yeah, shit's about to get weird. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's it. That's the word processor of the gods. Um, but until next time, I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor McGraw. And I'm Chris Barr. Later! The dark side is always there, waiting for us to enter, waiting to enter us. Until next time, try to enjoy the daylight. <laughs>